We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop aboard on this Wednesday night as uh, we discuss the Eagles and what they're going to do here on Sunday with Jalen Hurts and the implications of this game. And really, the the difference between the one seed and the five seed, which it likely would be if if Dallas goes out there and beats the Washington Commanders, we're going to start Sam Howell on Sunday. I mean, Dallas would walk into the division. The Eagles could walk right out of it. And I think it is extremely significant. The Eagles win this football game. How they do it. And the way they use Jalen Hurts, that's that's the, really the story now as we enter week 18. Ben Brown, fo- pro football focus, joining us right now on the guest line to talk about Jalen Hurts, the Eagles, and the importance of this game on Sunday. Ben, how you doing tonight? Hey, uh, I'm doing pretty well, Joe. How are you doing? Doing well and, uh, you know, just trying to figure out if Jalen Hurts is going to come back and play in this game. Ben, before we discuss what the Eagles should do here this weekend, um, how massive is the difference in your mind for the Eagles uh, you know, we know the one and two seed is potentially up for grabs with the Niners, but really it's the one and five seed potentially because if they win, they'll be the one and win the division. If they lose and Dallas wins, the Eagles would fall all the way to the five seed in the NFC in terms of Super Bowl chances and just uh, their, you know, their odds to make it uh, all the way. How massive is the difference between a win and a loss this weekend? You know, being able to rest at home while the rest of the conference kind of, you know, does their battle in the wild card round of the playoffs is an absolutely massive, you know, um, I would say situation that you very much want to find yourself in. The, the, the problem, of course, is if, you know, if they lose this game somehow as two touchdown, you know, favorites against the New York Giants and do end up as that 50, like it's, it, it's almost going to feel like history in some ways repeating themselves with a the first round matchup against, you know, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team who very much, I would say, you know, discarded the Philadelphia Eagles quite quickly and quite easily in the playoffs in the wild card round last year, and having to actually travel to Tampa Bay and, and kind of relive that scenario, especially with how bad of a free fall that would end up being from the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, essentially having pretty much you know the number one seed locked in if they can win any one of these remaining four stretches of games and losing all of them, it is going to be, I would say, a, a pretty drastic downfall. So I think just from like a you know. Uh, a standpoint of them kind of needing to prove themselves a little bit. This is very much a spot where I think they absolutely have to solidify 
that number one seed and have Jalen Hurts, I would say, look good at least through the first half. Uh, in doing that, in my opinion. Yeah, and it does feel like, Ben, just looking at the, the betting odds on the game uh, and the line on the game, it feels like the perception is that they're going to get a gift here from the Giants. However they handle Hurts, um, independent of that, it, it, it sounds like the Giants, or it could be the Giants, aren't playing anybody. What, what's your perspective on that? We haven't gotten official word yet. You know, Brian Dable's keeping it close to the vest, but it doesn't really feel like there's any upside to the Giants trying to play their hardest and, and play their guys on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we have them, you know, locked into the sixth seed in that FC wildcard round. They can't move, you know, from that position no matter what. So they really don't have, you know, much to play for at this point in time. And and unless there's going to be some sort of break because of the, you know, the, the the confounding factors outside of this particular match, but maybe the Giants get, you know, an extended buy for that reason. Like this is their chance out. They kind of get healthy, get guys back in the fold, you know, and, and very much set themselves up in order to kind of go into that wild card round with with everything kind of in place. So I would very much, you know, believe that Brian DeBole has kind of shown the ability to, I would say, think logically and think critically about some of these situations. And I very much think this is kind of one of those situations where he is going to back off relatively early on, even if we do end up seeing, you know, guys like Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley early on in the game. I, I would not, and I would be absolutely shocked if we have them see anywhere close to, I would say, like a full complement of snaps coming up here on Sunday. So it does seem like, you know, the, the Eagles are getting – you know, a, a little bit of, you know, a soft spot because of that situation. I think that very much, you know, benefits the Eagles coming up here on Sunday. Ben, are you surprised um, that the Eagles have struggled as much as they have the last couple weeks without, without Jalen Hurts? The one thing I've noticed um, and how they're different without him compared to with him, because it, it was interesting to figure it out, right? Because we had all that debate a couple of weeks ago and Chris Sims and Micah Parsons, you know, system quarterback and all that thing. But the one thing I've noticed the last two weeks is, you know, their explosive plays, they're still generating them in the passing and they're still getting some big plays down the field. Like, you know, to use a baseball term, almost like hitting home runs, but they're not staying on the field. They're not converting first downs. It, it feels like they're not getting on base as much to use the baseball analogy. Like, yeah, they'll still make some big plays, but the offense is just, it's very choppy and not fluid without Hurts out there. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that kind of goes to, you know, the, the yards per carry and the fact that Jalen Hurts does offer so much threat you know, rushing the football to the point where they are having a higher yards per carry with him in the fold very much so than when they're not going to have him in the fold. And I think that kind of speaks to what you're you're hinting at, right? Some of these third and four type situations, even like the third and seventh situations where Nick Sirianni is probably more confident in being a little bit sharp and potentially running in those situations to set up a fourth and, and very short, you know, conversion situation. It seems like they are probably, you know, leading more in the passing department in that scenario with, you know, Gardner Minshew at quarterback. But I, I think that was very much, I would say, going to probably be, you know, the concern or drop-off between Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew because Minshew is very much a guy that can, you know, be accurate in some of these low dot type throws. But changing the Philadelphia Eagles offense pretty substantially in order to kind of be efficient was not really something that we, I, I think we saw them, you know, kind of force – uh, you know, through the last three weeks of the season. So uh, I do think that it's going to be, um, you know, a, a spot where they can definitely, I would say, kind of pick up where they left off with Jalen Hurts, at quarterback, and very much still have those RPO options, very much have, you know, guys like Miles Sanders with more room to operate in the running game than what they had with Gardner Minshew. And I think that is, you know, once again, probably going to make some of the bigger plays, I would say, easier to hit as well. So uh, although that's been the change in the offense, I expect, you know, 
here on Sunday, especially early on, uh, we probably see, you know, the, the early season Eagles performance from an offensive perspective and very much kind of get on that right track uh, to, to, to kind of be hitting on all cylinders once the divisional round does come up. Uh, speaking of the division round, Ben, we were discussing tonight, uh, you know, there's a lot of potential scenarios the NFL could um, could do when it comes to the Bills-Bengals and a reschedule. One of them that was thrown out uh, today by Mike Florio was kind of staggering the playoffs in the first round. Basically, next week, the NFC playoffs would start along with the Bills-Bengals. The next week would be the AFC wildcard, and the NFC would be off. And then the following week it would start back up kind of like normal with both divisional rounds. And we were debating earlier whether or not for the Eagles, if that actually would be a good thing or a bad thing. So the good would be, well, they get an extra week of rest. So all their injured players would get an extra week. But Ben, I, I was saying the other side of it is part of the, the advantage of having the bye is the team you play just had to play the week before. That, that This the whole idea would negate that. So if they play the Cowboys or, or Bucks, those teams also would be coming off a bye week. Right, yeah, and it is a pretty, you know, drastic change to what, you know, is supposed to be, you know, the best opportunity to kind of get through the conference championship with that buy in hand. So, I, and that's the, the, you know, kind of the difficult synopsis that the NFL finds themselves in is that, you know, if they do force the Bills um, and the Bengals to probably play this game out, at some point that team, those two teams specifically are going to have very, um, very drastic, I would say, rest differentials in teams that they're going to face off against. And I also think that, kind of like you said, the, the Eagles situation specifically and the team that does get you know, the number one seed in the AFC as well uh, are very much probably not going to have as big of an advantage, especially if they shuffle things around from the buy perspective. So the, the competitive um, for how they actually handle this situation, I think, is going to be you know, a, a, a difficult situation is going to impact, you know, certain teams in certain ways, but they're, they're very much, I would say, is not, you know, a, a fair or correct answer right now to that question. Ben Brown, Pro Football Focus, joining us here as we discuss week uh, 18 in the NFL, the Eagles situation, and what the NFL does here um, moving forward with the Bengals and, and the Bills here uh, after Monday night. Ben, the other thing that really stood out uh, just after the game Sunday with the Eagles, and I, I don't know if it's getting talked about enough, is they're five sacks away from setting the all-time team NFL record. I don't know there's an extra game now, but even if you just take it from where it is now through 16 games, they have 68 sacks, which I think would rank fourth all-time. This pass rush, it's been incredible. Last year they were 30th in sacks. This year they're obviously first, led by Hassan Reddick. Um, what, what have you noticed this year with this? Because there's not one guy, right? Reddick leads the team, but it's not like they have a true all-pro in this group that no doubt all-pro or no doubt future Hall of Famer other than Sue, and he just got here. Um, it really feels like a nondescript group of really good players that have put together an amazing collective season. Yeah, and I think it speaks to, yeah, kind of like you said, like they have a number of guys coming from another number of different situations. They don't really have to do it from you know a high blitz rate type scenario. I think PFF has them as very much like a league average blitz rate, so it has really been these front four guys. They have, you know, no no one guy has had like the the, the defensive player of the year type season or the gaudy stats to really carry it. But it's but but I think it very much speaks to you know an overall defensive scheme that they are winning pass rush snaps, you know, at a high rate and in some ways very capable. I would say of kind of taking taking advantage of like the weakest link that the offensive line is kind of giving them, and that's kind of the situation that they are targeting you know, through stunts and various other options with how they're lining up in the gaps. And I think that through that and the defensive scheme and everything else, like it's very much a situation where the sum 
are is greater than the parts. And I think you've kind of seen that play out with the high sack rate. Uh, you know, we have them basically with the highest pressure rates. Um, I think it's more like the fourth highest pressure, total pressures in football, highest pressure rate. So it's very much been, I would say, you know, an overall team effort. And I think that it speaks to, you know, a longevity and a, a situation where you can probably bank on that being close to the expectation for when they do face off against some of these good teams coming up in the playoffs. Ben, great stuff, man. Always appreciate hopping on. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Have a great show. There he goes. Ben Brown, pro football focus there, joining us, throwing some A dot out there with the uh, the Eagles in their passing game. Talking about Tucker's all excited with the A dot. A dot reference from him. Average depth of target? Yeah, it sounds a lot less impressive when you say what it is. You, so you, you think, spell it out like you that. You think A dot just sounds cool? Like you just throw, I mean, some of the statistics will sound cool. Like you throw out a number, it's like, yeah. It's, I mean, if there's one group of people who I think are the coolest in sports, it's analytics people. <laughs> I don't care about your football guys or former players. It's analytics nerds. I've, I agree. I think we had a nice balance here tonight over the last hour. We had a, a, a an Eagles Hall of Famer who played on one of the most popular teams we've ever seen in this city come in here and talk to us about the team and the game coming up in uh, NU Douglas. And then we had Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus. I feel like we really balanced things out over the last hour. Me too. We got we got it from all sides, you all did. angles. All right, 215-592-9494. I want to throw out this because this – I think – if I'm correct on this, I think last evening the NFL planned the NFL Network had planned a TV show to um, like a special to un- to unveil the 15 finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year, and I think they scrapped the show because of obviously what's going on um, with the the tragic situation right now, you know, in Cincinnati and in the hospital and and just you know awaiting news and hopefully good news on Demar Hamlin. So they had this show planned. For the, I think it was either last night or two nights ago. I've lost track of days here. Today's Wednesday, so last night was supposed to be this this unveiling of the list. And they decided to hold off. I guess instead of doing the TV show, they just, they're just putting this out there tonight. Like, hey, here are Hall of Fame finalists. Yeah, go follow the Pro Football Hall of Fame on Twitter. All right, so we have 15. Is that it, the 15 finalists of the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year? Yes, All I right. believe so. Here we are, the modern era finalists. And as I, re- I roll through these names, I got to tell you, I'm feeling pretty old. I, I'm feeling pretty old because I think all but one of the names that I saw earlier, unless I'm just unless I've blanked on this guy and, and where and when he played, but I think all but one of these guys I watched their career from start to finish. The guy you're thinking of started in '83. So no, so I missed the beginning of his career. So that that's why it wasn't as familiar to me. Okay. Here are the modern era finalists, the 15 finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year. Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, who remarkably came up with Tucker and I's conversation before the show for no reason. No. It was like, and it wasn't about his Hall of Fame candidacy. It was just. It was because I accidentally called somebody else Willie Anderson. Yeah. And then I said to you, no, he played, like, we remember he, he was a, a Bengals tackle. Anyway, Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, Rondé Barber, Dwight Freeney. Devin Hester, Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Albert Lewis. He was the one that was uh, his career began. He played all the way through '98. I'm just tell me more about him. I'm blanking on on him and his career. Uh, so he started in in '83. So before I was, I mean, I was, before uh, I was with boring. the Kansas City Chiefs. Played there until '93, and then went to the Raiders in '94, and played there through '98. 
So Albert Lewis. Okay, so when He's a I four-time start- Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, but all in the late '80s. Okay, well, that's that was probably it. But by the time I was, you know, I was old enough to understand he was he was past his prime. Uh, Darrell Rivas, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware, Reggie Wayne, Patrick Willis, Darren Woodson. You know what my problem every year is with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's happened more recently, in the last ten years or so. Because what's how do they do? It? It's five, five, max of five. Is that it or six? I think it's five. Okay. Every time I look at this list, I think they're all Hall of Famers. And and I don't feel that way in baseball. Like, I think in the next couple weeks we're going to have the baseball announcement. It's it's probably this year going to only be Scott Rowland, if I had to guess. I always think when I look at the football list, like, you know, maybe not all 15. But if I had to, if I had a ballpark it right now, I would say without question, Darrell Rivas, uh, Joe Thomas, Dwight Freeney, Andre Johnson. Like, I wouldn't even – I'm not even going to – it's not even a consideration that they're, they're not yeses. They're all Hall of Famers. Darrell Rivas should go in tomorrow. Uh, Joe Thomas should go in tomorrow. I would put Dwight Freeney – I would put uh, Andre Johnson in without question. I think DeMarcus Ware was a Hall of Fame player. Um, Zach Thomas certainly is deserving of consideration. I thought Patrick Willis, a shorter career, but he was he was a Hall of Famer. I mean, he was a dominant player in his time. Torrey Holt has a very compelling case to make the Hall of Fame. I mean, I I think half these guys should go. It's hard. Like, there's always a logjam because there's so many great players, and they have the limit of the five. Yeah, and they try to clear it up with their committees and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, especially when it comes to wide receivers. Like, guys like Torrey Holt. And Andre Johnson, who were among their best or at the top of the game when they played, you look at their numbers and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and those guys like do it now just because yeah. of the way the game is played. Like, unfortunately, because of the increased offense in, in modern football, a lot of these guys' numbers don't stack up. Yeah, I just think, and I really think this with every sport, were you one of the top at your position for an extended period during your era? I mean, isn't that the only way to do it? Statistics are just – because if we go by statistics for the NFL, every offensive number with passing now blows away everything in the past. Like, if you look at Joe Namath's numbers, Terry Bradshaw's numbers – I mean, obviously Bradshaw won a lot of Super Bowls, so it's a different case. But let's just go to Joe Namath, right? He had the one special moment in his, in his career. Joe Namath's passing numbers now are worse than every starting quarterback in the league. Every one. So you can't go by numbers. It's It's got to be beyond numbers here – for, for offensive players, specifically the passing game. So you can't go with that. But it's a good class. I mean, I, I think it, well, it's a good it's a good uh, group of finalists here. Revis, Joe Thomas feel like locks. I feel like they're going to the Hall of Fame right now. You know who should be on this list? Who's that? Harold Jackson. But is, 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 so what's the modern era? Is that just the Super Bowl era? Yeah, I don't think he's eligible, if I'm being honest. Well, yeah. Is he run out of eligibility? Is that how this works? I mean, probably. He retired back in 1983. Yeah, I mean, when, when when did we work that in? Like three weeks ago on a Friday night, just threw Harold Jackson in the open? Yeah. It's a good show. And I still feel that way. I mean, the guy had 3,000-yard seasons in the 70s, was probably the best wide receiver of that decade, had multiple receiving titles. It's probably the first great deep threat in the history of football, averaged yeah. 18 yards per catch. Well, I mean, you're short-circuiting Tommy McDonald here? Is it- yeah, a little bit. Deep threat, uh, but he was one. Of, I mean, certainly one of the, the early deep threats. In... He finished second in MVP voting. Joe, how many wide receivers finished second in MVP voting? Not many. Your boy Justin Jefferson can do that. 
He might at some point. Or maybe not this year, but at some point. Um, but by the way, Justin Jefferson, and he's a great player. He's got this weird knack for like having these disappearing acts. He did it against the Eagles. He did it again this Sunday against the uh, Packers. What's that? What's that? What's going on with your boy Justin Jefferson? So he has ten games with over a hundred yards, and he has two games with under twenty. That that's strange for a player that that's that good. Like he had three for fourteen against Detroit, one for fifteen against Green Bay. I mean, he literally was invisible in that game against Green Bay. But that other game against Detroit, he had 11 for 223. I know. That's why he's, he's unbelievable. And the other game against Green Bay, he had 9 for 184 and two touchdowns. Yeah. No, he's, I mean, he's a great player. Uh, and he's probably going to – he won't – I don't think he's getting to 2,000 yards. He, he That game he had against Green Bay threw that off. Pretty sure if you go on FanDuel, they have an odds boost for it. For him to reach 2,000. Yeah. Like It pays out like plus 700 for him to get like 230 yards this weekend. Yeah, the problem with that one is, are they? Is it worth it for them to play him in the fourth quarter of the game against the Bears? I mean, it probably isn't worth it for him to play the first quarter well, against right. the Bears. I mean, like, I think what's and we'll do props on. We always do props on Friday night. Some, excuse me, some of those um, props this week that you're going to see for milestones, they're sucker bets. If the team has everything locked up, they're not going to let the player play four quarters to get it. Uh, you know, like if it's a, it's a, it's a record. You know, who was it last year? T.J. Watt was tracing Strahan? Yeah. Yeah, like that's a little bit different. That's an NFL record. Remember like, the Eagles brought in Devontae Smith for a quarter so he could break Deshaun Jackson's rookie record? Right. And I think some of those things, um, there's certainly an angle you could bet on those things because it's like, oh, I think uh, I, Albert Breer this week in uh, Sports Illustrated wrote about the players that have incentives. And the couple Jaguars receivers are like four and five catches away from, you know, $100,000 bonus. Like that's plausible. Like that makes some sense. But yeah, I mean, if the if the Vikings let Justin Jefferson stay on the field in the fourth quarter of a meaningless game just so they can, you know, find their way, find his way to two thousand yards, it'd be a shame. I mean, it would be a shame if they let that happen because he'd get hurt and then he can't play in the playoff game the following week. But it, it is, it is. I feel old. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I feel old watching and looking at the monitor of finalists because I watched the I watched the bulk of their career for everyone, I guess, including Albert Lewis, who I forgot about. Yeah, I felt that way when I first started seeing people retire who I remember when they were drafted. Like, I remember when Eli Manning got drafted. I remember that whole story. When he retired, I'm like, wow, that that makes me feel old. So Lewis was a DB? Yeah. I'm trying to remember him. I guess 15 years as a defensive back is really impressive. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at his numbers right now. So, yeah, I mean... It kind of lines up with my memory of, of the game. So I was born 86. 94 was the first Super Bowl I remember watching, like, start to finish as a kid. I feel like 93 is when I started really, like, paying attention. So he had six interceptions in 93. It was his, He only had four more the rest of his career. Like, he was a star, like Tucker said, mid-80s, Pro Bowl, the la- uh, 87, 88, 89, 90. That's when he was an all-pro that was a little bit before I could understand what was going on. Um, and then after that, you know, he, he was he played, but he obviously wasn't a star player anymore. Um, but everybody else in this list, every other finals, I watched the start of their career through the end of their career. I am officially old, and it, it feels that way watching this, uh, watch these Hall of Fame finalists pop up tonight. 215-592-9494. Lot to react to on the other side in a wild Sixers-Pacers game. Next on Sports Radio 94 WIP. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Our music stopped abruptly. Yeah, that was the end. That bet is only 21 seconds. Oh, did we take a while to come back there? A little bit. We were yelling about Brian Dable. Well, I mean, you know, because uh, we, we were talking behind the, the scenes there about that you know, a little rejoin. And we usually, uh, like, what was, what was, what's the one we've been playing lately about Jalen Hurts win the MVP because he could squat to us or something? And he doesn't sound like a frog. Yeah, which, I mean, both those things are, are probably true, right? He could squat to, to us, and he doesn't sound like a frog, like no. Patrick Holmes. But he's probably not going to win the MVP If you had now. to pick one cartoon animal for Jalen Hurts to voice in an animated film, what would you choose? You mean like a cartoon animal as in one that already exists as a character, like uh, Sebastian the Crab, or we're talking about a new just No, an like, like a new animal. Like you're, you're coming up with an animated film about a zoo. Jalen Hurts is a part of it. What animal do you cast him as? Because I already have thought of three. You mean like prior to bringing this up to me live right now? Or no, in I mean in the last time? 10 seconds as I was vamping. I, I've thought of a few. Let's. I, I, don't, I don't know. Let's see. I mean, I... Hmm. He's kind of a smooth talker. Yes. So he's not going to be loud and boisterous, but he kind of, you know, he could get his point across. Yeah, I think he's a, sort of a strong, silent type. That's That that would work. So, um, but what animals represents that the best? So my first thought was rhinoceros. Okay. I, I, right, all right. Rhinoceros are kind of... I, I don't I don't see the fit. I, I, I understand your point, but I, he doesn't... I don't look at him and think rhinoceros. All right. Well, my second choice was a lion. How, how does it try that one? That could size? work. That could work. Like you mean like the leader of the pack? Kind yeah. Of thing? I mean, he's in charge. He, yeah. He's kind of doing everything. But like Lion King kind of characters or just a new lion? I mean, I don't think he's going to be like Mufasa, <laughs> but I just think that that's what I mean, his that's, personality fits. He can't take James Earl Jones' role. I mean, that's that's locked in. Okay. So lion, elephant, oh, excuse me, uh, rhinoceros. And what was your third? I forget what my third one was now. I think the lion works. I think the lion fits the best. Yeah. Jalen Hurts, if he had to be a, an animated animal in a movie. 
Yeah, like, couldn't he do the Matthew Broderick part in Lion King? Simba? Yeah. Yeah, threw me off a little bit there for a second. Yeah, I, I keep Do you think Lion King is Matthew Broderick's best film? No. Well, I mean, like, it's the best film he was a part of, but, like, you think it's his best? Like, I actually forgot who it was for a second. Like, because you think of James Earl Jones, right? His voice is synonymous right. with Mufasa. Um, and Jonathan Taylor Thomas, I'm pretty sure, plays the young Simba. The young Simba. I actually associate more that voice of Simba. Because, I mean... I think the Simba, like you think about when you close your eyes about the movie, it's the young Simba more than the older Simba who comes back and he's got to fight. I wonder who has more screen time. I think it's young Simba. I feel like it's young Simba. Yeah, like that, that's like two thirds of the movie. Right, then they kind of abruptly get, get you through the, the rest of the plot, which is, of course, <laughs> for some reason we're going over the plot of Lion King. I actually watched Lion King last week out of the blue. Like not from start to finish, but so my sister-in-law got married last week, so we were in a, we were staying in a hotel down in um, in Maryland. And so, obviously, we have two little kids. So we're all in the same room, right? And, and they thought it was the coolest thing. Like, they have their own, they have a bed, and, like, they have this TV in front of them. So, like, I want to watch this. I want to watch that. Because they don't have TVs in their room uh, at, at home. So they basically wanted to watch TV at night until they fell asleep. And meanwhile, like, I'm exhausted. I just want to fall asleep. But they found it was the more recent... Uh, it, I don't know what you call it. Like, it wasn't animated. Like the live action one? Live action, yeah. It was pretty good. But they, I think it was the first time they saw The Lion King. It's it's a little heavy. Yeah, and when they aren't hand-drawn, it makes the action a little bit little bit darker. Yeah. Um, and then we, I think we put it on at the point where, you know, Scar was like, you know, it was, the truth was coming out about how Mufasa had, had perished. That it was, it was a little bit heavy. And I just... I, at that point in the night, I wasn't in the state to sit down and explain all this, and I, I had to just be like, "Listen, Scar's a bad guy." <laughs> I mean, once in a while you have a bad guy, and and then uh, and then I think Scar fell right because he, but like Mufasa didn't want to do. I mean, uh, Simba didn't want to do it. But then, have you seen this one? Yeah, yeah, it's it's almost shot for shot, similar to the the original. But they change it a little bit. In they this do, one. and they added Beyonce in, and like she gets a song as Nala, just because I think they paid for her and felt they were wasting her talents as like the fifth most important character. I think mostly they paid a lot of money to have her post part of the movie, and they figured that they would use their. All right, two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. That has been um, our uh, for some reason trip down Lion King Lane. How did we get there? I don't know, but we just uh, went over the plot to The Lion King. Anyway, 215-592-9494 to hop in with us on this uh, this Wednesday night. I do want to react to something, and we will react to it coming up here very shortly um, in, in a few minutes. I, I, I got to say, once in a while, we have, to, we have to wait to react to what we really want to react to, and that's how you get Lion King Radio live on the air. Again, that was, we've done this twice in the last half hour. Where I don't know how we got to something. I forget what we even talked about the first time. Oh, we talked about radio. Cuba, Ned Harris. Cuba, Cuba Gooding, Gooding Jr. Yeah, and how uh, his career kind of fell off. It's kind of like Albert Lewis. Cuba Gooding Jr., the Albert Lewis of acting. Yeah, like a long career, but a very short peak. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, exactly. That, that You kind of forget about Cuba Gooding. I forgot about Albert Lewis, who might be a Hall of Famer. Though I have to say, after viewing the list of 15, he's easily 15. 100%. Like, do they have to put 15? Are you telling me there's no one that's more more deserving of that spot? 
No, I do think that that's what they do. They do the 15 finalists and they cut it down to five. It's it's a procedural thing. I just I think it's weird. Guys like Seth Joyner and Marcus Allen just don't get any recognition. Like those early 90s Eagles defenses, I feel like in the eyes of the national media and those voters, it's Reggie White and nobody else. I think that's that's fair, um, that they get lumped in as, as one great player carried those guys. I mean, do you think they're going to be forgotten at this point now? I mean, once you get – I always wonder with the Hall of Fame, once you get decades past, unless you have someone fighting for you, like let's say Ray Dininger with Tommy McDonald, like who's who's going to bang the table as if 10, years, 10 more years from now for Seth or Eric Allen? Yeah, eventually those – Writers, especially now where a lot of writers travel from town to town, like your local Buccaneers writer might not have grown up in Tampa Bay. They can't really advocate for guys because they didn't see them. So, I mean, who would do it here? Rube? Ruben Frank? I think Paul Domowich is the Philadelphia writer at the moment. Okay. Um, I, I don't know how long. I guess he keeps that for as long as he wants. But I'm just saying, like, I guess it would have to be Paul Domowich fighting for those guys to get in the Hall of Fame. It just feels like they're going to get lost to history. And lost the time, and so now I mean, think about the think about the candidates we just went over, right? Zach Thomas, Joe Thomas, Terrell Rivas. Think about when these guys played. You realize we're on the era of the 2000s in the NFL now. Patrick Willis like arrived in the NFL and left in the NFL all within the last 15 years. His first season was the year Tom Brady went undefeated, 2007. Yeah, and he's already retired enough to be on the ballot and make it in. So, like, we're well past that. Well, like, Calvin Johnson was even crazier, right? Because he was 2005, 2006. Something. He was done in 2013. And then already in the Hall of Fame, as he, as he should be. The guy was an amazing player. So, like, we're so far past the 80s that I, I just think those guys will be forgotten at time unless someone decides to just, you know, fight for them to get in and, and put them in, you know, because they they want to get them in the, in the Hall of Fame, so it's it is kind of unfortunate that you have those kind of players that that get lost. And I guess this happens in every single sport where it will happen. But now, what do they have in baseball? The Golden Era Committee is that how Fred McGriff just got in? Yeah, they have the Modern Era, the Golden Era, the Expansion Era. I think it's the one that's in between, like the the '60s through the '80s. It feels like a lot of eras where we're. Uh, we're... I mean, it's been around for like 150. No, years I know. I, I'm just I'm just saying, like we're just. A lot of committees. I, I like do the, think baseball allows too many people in via the committee. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think there is a part where, like, if you haven't been in in a while, if you haven't gotten in, you probably don't deserve to get in. Anyway, there we go. Final. We're waiting here to react. That's a heck of a win. 11 straight at home for the Sixers. 129-126. Sixers win tonight over the Pacers. That's a good win without Joel Embiid. 215-592-9494 to react tonight. I got to say, the Sixers have turned this season around considerably. Tonight, Harden 26-8-6-2, including, and I don't, know, I don't know the last time I said this about James Harden, he had an enormous defensive play late in the game, an, an enormous defensive play. Um, it was either the last possession or second to last defensive possession for the Sixers. Um he he stole the ball from Halliburton. I mean, he he guarded him. It was a really good defensive play. Uh, they were kind of locked up on the three point lane. Then Halliburton got you know got into the lane a little bit, but he stayed on him. In a great defensive effort there by James Harden. And did I see this right? Did Montrezl Harrell have nineteen points tonight? Yeah, he shot eight of nine from the field, Woo. three of four from the line. That's probably one of the best um, 
I guess Drummond had a couple of those games last year. You know, once in a while we have a backup center night when Joel's out, where the backup center provides a lot. But this was, I mean, he had four blocks too. It's got to be. I'm sure it's his six or so. I mean, it might be a career high. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many times Matros Harris had 20 points in an NBA game. Probably not that many. 19 for Harold tonight. 26 for for uh, James Harden. And the Sixers now have won 11 straight here in Philadelphia. It feels like I, I, just the way the Sixers conversation has gone this year. Early struggles. When's Doc getting fired? Then they did a little bit better. They had that bad loss in Houston. It feels like they've really gotten themselves back on track here, and I don't think they've gotten enough credit for it here. I mean, we've been locked into the Eagles, and you know, a season that's we're trying to wrap up a number one seed and Jalen Hurts MVP candidacy. Have we ignored the Sixers back where they're supposed to be? I mean, I if you ask me right now, they're going to win the, win the NBA title. I, I still would say no. Like my my overall arching feeling on the team hasn't changed to the point where I'm like we're missing something special, but. They have put themselves back together. Doc Rivers is not getting fired. They're, they're not a disaster. They, they've fought through injuries to Harden and Maxi. Have they taken advantage of a softer schedule the last six weeks? Yes. But every team gets it, right? They're not, they're not unique. They're playing a last-place NFL schedule here. I'm impressed. I mean, I, I, this is the first time all year I've said it to this extent. I'm, I'm impressed with the way they've figured this season out. And tonight... They won without Joel Embiid, right? The guy that everyone says they should be in the MVP race. He's top six in the odds. He's averaged 35 points per game the last month. He's the Easter Conference Player of the Month. That's a good win tonight. I'm impressed with how they turned this around. Yeah, I mean, Harden finishes with 28-8-6 or 26-8-6, which is what you hope for and what you expect when Embiid isn't out. But I think the big story is how good the bench was. The bench shot 19-25 from the field. Wow. You had 48 points from Niang, Harrell, Thibel. And Milton, I mean, this is a team, and we discussed a little bit before the show, this is a team that doesn't have a lot of depth. They, We thought they kind of elongated that bench in the offseason, and it didn't really happen, especially with a lot of injuries. They they haven't been able to go deep into their bench, and the four guys that you brought off the bench tonight combined for 48 points on 19-25 and 25 shooting. That is an impressive night, and that's how you win games when your star player is out. Yeah, and that's that's an enormous night for the bench here. 215-592-9494 to react to the Sixers' win over the Pacers tonight. Really good win without Joel Embiid. Um, yeah, and the end of that game, they had a lead, then they blew the lead. Yeah, they had an 11-point lead that they blew. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be a Sixers game without some, some someone angry and some sort of drama yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, that's not a storyline. Storyline is they came back that's and won That's a win. Overtime. It's a victory in overtime, 129-126 tonight. And, you know, James Harden here... 26 and and 8 and 6 tonight. 8 of 20 shooting, 2 of 8 from downtown for James Harden. But again, that defensive play late in the game was a really, really big one uh, for Harden. And he had to carry the load offensively tonight. You know, because Maxi still isn't, he's not, he's back, but it's going to take him some time here to get back in, in the um, the swing of things. He, here is my question, though, with Maxi uh, tonight. So I, I feel like before the game, I saw something to where they said they would increase his 20-minute limit a little bit. right? That was kind of the, the feeling before the game. Just blew past that one. He had 37 minutes tonight. Yeah, and even if you said, well, it was overtime, he played an extra five minutes, That that's still 32. It's a lot more than the 20. Also, and I and I, I do wonder about the, the effects of this moving forward. And, you know, this it's a long season, and... The Sixers dug themselves a hole. They had to dig themselves out. They've done a good job of that. You know, James Harden leads the NBA in minutes per game. And he had tonight 43 of them. 
I, I mean, I do appreciate that he's not just stealing money. He, he's, he plays. I mean, James Harden, for, for the – some of the way we talk about him as a big game player, he shows up when, when he's healthy enough to play. Obviously, he's had hamstring injuries and he had the issue this year. But when he is active, when he is able to play, James Harden plays a lot of minutes. Every, he has his entire career. I just wonder if that's a really long-term strategy here, especially because he's going he's to want another contract after this season. Yeah, I mean, he's always played. Big minutes. Like, I think you go look at what he did when he was with Houston. He probably averaged 37 or 38 yep. minutes a game. But he also doesn't really hustle all 38, 39, 43 minutes, right? He is smart about managing that workload over that time. It's kind of like a soccer player. Like, there are a lot of times where you find him standing off, catching a, a breather on the other side of the court. But you are right. I mean, we have a 34-year-old point guard who has durability issues and questions about his health and his hamstrings. Having him play 43 minutes a night to win these games isn't ideal. I wonder where he ranks now all-time in minutes. He's got to be getting up there uh, among the leaders ever. I mean, he's he's been in the league since 09, and he's o- always played a lot of minutes. I know early in his career he obviously sat behind, um, you know, he was a, a six-man kind of thing. But I, I do wonder where he is all-time in minutes. He's got to be in the top, I don't know, 100, 100 maybe top 50 at this point in his career. Feels like he should be up there after all the years he's played here. Uh, but 43 minutes tonight. He's 13th all-time in active minutes. Okay, 13th in active. And he's how many 37th, minutes? 37th. Or no, he's 85th among all-time. But how many does he have? 37,000? Uh, he's 38,000 if you include the playoffs. Yeah, so I mean, so you said he's 87th? Yeah. But he's, so I'm looking at the top 50. In the top 50 are 38,000. So, like, he's about to jump into that that group, um, you know, of all-time guys. And I, you know... So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, if he plays five more years, he's going to end up probably top 20 in minutes of all time. Yeah, he's been top five in minutes per game seven times in his career. Yeah. So he's on that kind of path to having the most, some of the most minutes played of all time. Hopefully his legs hold up as this season goes along. But th- that's a good one. Now, do we have any news on P.J. Tucker? Because he, he was limping around around this game. 25 minutes tonight for him. Um, it is crazy every time I look at the box score of P.J. Tucker. It is amazing that they could carry a player that plays this many minutes and literally doesn't score a point. Most nights, zero points tonight for P.J. Tucker. It's it's really old school to have a player like this. this I mean, this used to happen in the 80s, 90s. You'd have that guy. Even early 2000s, there'd be the that player on a team that was strictly there for the dirty work, rebounding, defense, the scrappy guy. And he didn't score a point. I mean, Dennis Rodman was kind of like the highest version of this ever. But he just didn't score. He did have three offensive rebounds tonight. He did come back after suffering that leg injury in in the second half. It's just weird. Like, if you watch the game, you can squint and kind of see him making impact, especially defensively. Mm-hmm. But I think he's someone that you signed strictly for the postseason, right? Strictly to, to badger an opponent's top player. You saw what he did to James Harden in, in the postseason series against the Heat last year. It's funny because you watch him in the regular season and think, how is this guy an NBA player? He's 38 years old. He looks overweight. He doesn't do anything offensively. I think to truly understand the impact he makes, we're going to have to wait until May. Yeah, and well, we've seen what he's done in, in past years in, in the postseason. He's been – I mean, he's a champion, right? And he's been on these – the Heat, he's been on the Bucks in recent years. He's done. A, I mean, there's a reason why they wanted him here and why Joel Embiid wanted him here. The other guy I wanted to point out after this game tonight – DeAnthony Melton. I mean, I've criticized Daryl Morey, and I think he's made he's made considerable mistakes in the last couple of years building this team. And you know, the Daniel House signing looks like a disaster, just a waste of time. Did not play tonight. Um, and 
you know, is Tucker going to be good enough in the playoffs to kind of make make it work with, with him not scoring? I don't know. And I'm not the biggest Harden fan, but obviously, you know, he's a good player. De'Anthony Melton, that is that was a really good trade by the Sixers. De'Anthony Melton has played above the level I thought he would play. He has taken a leap this year compared to what he's done in the past. And, you know, he's an important cog in this thing. I, I'm a fan of the of De'Anthony Melton. And, and the best part is he's 24 years old. Like, they have him for a few years, and he could continue to grow. And he, he might become a really important, cheap either swingman or starting player for them for years to come, depending on how their, you know, their rotation and, and their team shakes out. But he's a good player. I mean, you know, years ago, Maury had him, and then they lost him, and, then, and they got him back here. Now he's averaging 12 points a game. And I just think he brings an energy on the defensive side of the basketball, and he is more than competent on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, so for this year he's averaging 12 near points, nearly five rebounds, uh, a little over three assists per game. It's pretty darn good. 70% from the th- from the f- uh, free throw and nearly 40% from three. De'Anthony Melton may be the best move Daryl Morey's made here. I mean, really, when you, you add it all together – Considering what they gave up, what was that trade? Was that Danny Green? Danny and, Green in a first and a, and, a, and a, like a, the twentieth something. The whatever the, they had the twenty first, twenty second pick. And Danny Green's damaged goods, right? They, that was an expiring. Contract. He's on ESPN. He doesn't even play for them. W- what happened on ESPN with him recently? Then they remember Brian Windhorst said that they're going to trade uh, you. Danny Green's going to get traded while sitting next to Danny Green. Pretty funny, um, but that was a good trade. I mean, and again, Melton's twenty four years old. There's a chance he's here for a while, or I mean. He's a really tradable piece if they wanted to do that one day. I don't think they want to trade him right now. He's, he's in it, helping them. But it's a great contract. He's 24 years old. He's fit in well. He plays defense. He hits threes. Like, isn't Anthony Melton, you know, a, kind of a version? I know he's not as good of a defender, but, like, when you thought about what Matisse Thibault could be, you thought maybe a guy like Anthony Melton, he's actually it. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have the, the size or the length, but what he's able to bring as a two-way player on the wing mm-hmm. is something they've missed, really, since Jimmy Butler was here. I don't want to compare him to Jimmy Butler because that, that's a an all-star level player, but they haven't had anybody of this caliber who's able to play both ways. I don't know, since Robert Covington? I think I mean, Josh Richardson, was Josh yeah. Richardson stunk the year he was here, but, I mean, having someone that you can put in the playoffs who's capable of playing both sides of the, the court it's something they've never really had. Like, think about some of the role players and bench players they've brought in during this run. A lot of guys like J.J. Redick or Marco Bellinelli who could shoot and do nothing else, or people like Matisse Thibault who could play defense and do nothing else. Well, and it's also energy. He, he has you know an enormous amount. He plays with an enormous amount of energy every single night. I like that about him. That's 11 straight home wins for the Sixers, who are now 16-5 and at home after beating the Pacers tonight. So good win for the Sixers in overtime without Joel Embiid. They knock off the um, they they knock off the Pacers tonight, and they're now twenty three and fourteen on the season. So the Sixers sixteen and five. So they were they were five and five at home before the before the last eleven games. Obviously eleven in a row they have won. It is crazy. I, I mentioned on a break to Tucker the NBA this year. Nobody wins on the road. I've never seen anything like this. So this season after tonight, or I guess there's still games going on, but only three teams in the entire league have a winning record. Away from home, the Celtics, the Nets, and the Knicks. That's it. Everybody else is losing records on the road, uh, including the Sixers, who are seven and nine. But good win for the Sixers tonight against the Pacers. Rob Cherry was watching it. Nice win for the Sixers tonight, Rob. Um, 
they had a lead. They blew it. They lost the lead. They won it overtime. But and they won yeah. without Joel. So that's a good win. Right. What was his uh, load management again? Or was it a knee uh, or no, a back? Foot. 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 He's, he it landed awkwardly a couple nights ago against the Pelicans, so he's day to day. See, I thought he wasn't going to play against the Pelicans. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's always day to day with Joel. <laughs> I Beaton. know it's, it's always years. Of it's day-to-day. always something with him, but yeah. I'm glad they won without him. Yes. Um. So we had a good. So and the Sixers, they've turned their season around. You know who could be the best team in the East? The Nets. Yeah. Kevin Durant is playing at a ridiculous yeah, level. I don't know what happened, but the Nets look like they're the best team in the East. Maybe this is the year we get the Sixers-Nets playoff series with Ben playing. In the conference finals? Oh, that would be fun. Well, first the Sixers have to make the conference finals. Imagine if we get in a calendar year, Phillies in the World Series, yeah. Eagles in the Super Bowl, and a conference finals against Ben Simmons. And then the Flyers? Ah, oh, stop. Don't, go, right. don't even go there. <laughs> Rob Cherry, are you playing Jalen Hurts this weekend? Yeah. Me too. They have to. I mean, I don't think they're winning without him. Gardner Minshew, I'm not surprised at the way he played. It was bad. That I was, was surprised at the way he played in Dallas. Yeah, I, he was awful on Sunday against yeah. the Saints. But the defense didn't do a good job either. Well, they only allowed 13 points. Well, in the first half, they allowed 13 points. But 13, that set the tone. It did. You're right. But 13 is 13. The offense has got to score. I understand that. But the defense has got to set it. The defense can't let the other team control the game. Well, and, and they, they did. They did. They, the first half, the Saints controlled the ball almost the entire first half. They I had. heard, was it Moose Johnson complaining? So, well, the, the, def- the offense can't go three and out. The defense is tired. You know why they were tired? Because they can't get off the field yeah, themselves. Yeah, exactly. But he's right, though. The offense was hanging them out to dry like well the defense if the defense let the other team go three and out then maybe they wouldn't be so tired in the first half they kind of reminded me of the chip kelly eagles for a couple minutes there three and outs yeah well yeah chip kelly did that because that he was the fast break football Uh, didn't work it didn't work at all and also Lattimore knew that play they picked six what happened to your guy nick Foles? it's over i think it's it's i think it's time to go home you think it's over? The only guy had a worse game than him was Carson Wentz. <laughs> him, it's over for two. It's amazing. Their their careers might end at the same time. And they didn't start at the same time. No. They started fo- five years apart. Yeah. Or four years apart. Four, uh, 2012 yeah. and 2016 drafts. Yeah, yeah but uh, Wentz, three t- three interceptions in a, in a must game? I don't think we ever seen uh, Carson as a starter in the league again. Well, he's not going to play. I think he's going to retire. I think I think he he knows this is a sign that he can't play anymore. Uh, well, I unless mean, he's delusional, and they benched him this week. They're not playing. They're playing Sam Howell. They're they're benching. They're a fifth round draft pick. There was an afterthought. They're going to play over Wentz and uh, Taylor Heineke. It is remarkable how his career has gone. Yeah, the Nick Foles thing. You kind of get it. He's had injuries. He's older. It's like all right. It's maybe it's mm, over listen, now. He was an MVP of a Super Bowl. I know. He already had his moment in the sun. Yeah, and he had the year in 2013. Yeah, he had he had a couple moments in the sun. Yeah, he did. It's nowhere but here, now. unfortunately. No, or fortunately, um, actually. So you feel like the Eagles are going to take care of this and win on Sunday? No. Are you worried? Yeah. Well, if, the Giants, Her- if Hurts plays, no. Oh, so the Giants aren't going to play their guys. I, I still don't feel good about the way the way the defense set the tone against Dallas, the way the defense set the tone against this team. It's like they don't realize – they didn't realize in those two games, you have a backup quarterback, you can't trust them. I know. Well, they, they – I mean – they have to win this game. If D- Dallas will beat Sam Howell. Well, because the, Washington's basically laying down. Uh, I mean, Rob, this would be one of the biggest collapses ever. They were 13. It would be their biggest collapse ever. They just they need the bye. They cannot play next weekend. Just get the bye. I just don't feel good about the way that the, the play calling, everything they're about gonna, that last game bothered me. Hurts is going to win the play, and they're going to win. Yeah, well, we said that about the Saints game. We I, said that about the Giant, the Cowboy well, game. Well, I, I didn't feel good about the Dallas game. Yeah, but you felt good about the Saints game, right? I did. 
Everybody <laughs> did. It's like, oh, of course they're going to win this game. I know. How can they lose this game? The Saints but, stink. Why are you worried? Doc Rivers the other night guaranteed the Eagles would be in the Super Bowl. Exactly. <laughs> oh no. Because Doc Rivers now now saves his job with because they've won some games. The yeah, kiss I'm, of death. I'm Doc worried Rivers. about that. Yeah, Doc Rivers is no. I'm worried about it. All right, Rob. I'm sure you're talking about Jalen Hurts tonight. The Eagles. Yeah. And yeah. and obviously the the situation in Cincinnati on Monday with the Bills. Yeah. I you know before we we end our our conversation. The, the NFL solution to that makeup game potentially, it, you know, it could affect the Eagles. How so? So one of the solution, one of the possible oh, eliminating a bye. So yeah, so one of the ideas they have right now, Mike Florio said that they're discussing it today. So they would do next weekend would be the NFC wild card, right? And the Bills Bengals. The next weekend after that would be the AFC wild card, and all the NFC teams would have a bye. Then they'd resume everything the week after, which means the Th- Eagles three weeks, would, three weeks off. But yeah. not only that. The team the Eagles play in the, for their first game would be coming off a bye as well. They wouldn't get them off a game. Yeah, okay. So they'd have three weeks. The other team would have two weeks. Yeah, but you, and yeah. but like that team wouldn't be playing a game the week before. Yeah, but if they can't beat the the Bucks or whoever it is, well, or, it could or be the Cowboys. Cowboys, whoever. If they can't beat that team, they don't deserve to go. But to it's the Super weird. Bowl. It could affect the Eagles in a way if they go with that plan. So they could actually do just one game uh, the following week. Well, no, they would do they would do the whole NFC playoffs, and then have Bills and Bengals, and then the next week only the AFC playoffs because well, they see, would know the matchup. There isn't a real good solution. Uh, They're all bad without solutions. playing the game. Well, there's there's only I think there's only one way it could happen this weekend where everything would be clear. Yes, if the Chiefs lose, the Bills win, and the the uh, Bengals. Bengals win, then then it's you, the Bills are the one seed. Yeah, and yeah. then the Bengals, you say. Between them and 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 uh, Kansas City, well, they City. beat Kansas City, so that would take. But care they'd of have itself. one less game, though. Right. So they'd have to. You'd have to get Andy Reid to agree that uh, look, we can't delay the the playoffs anymore. There's no good way to do this. No, there isn't. They, they they sort of have to play it at some point, but they want to avoid it, and there's really no way to avoid it. Well, the the other thing about the, what we just talked about is that would take away the bye week between the title games and the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, that, that who who needs that? I mean, that, that week is a waste of time anyway. Yeah, but it's a little hype week. It's exciting. The the whole week? I well, mean, but what? well, I mean, you got it, but that that affects the preparation for the game. You got to go play the game the next week. Preparation for who? For us or for yeah, the for everybody? <laughs> Not for us. <laughs> We don't care. Well, that's probably right. All right, Rob, you have a good show, and and, uh, we'll be back tomorrow night right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.